This is Junkyard Divas with your hosts, Elizabeth Ebersall and Trevor George. Oh my god, Elizabeth, it's Creepy History Friday. Oh, I'm, I'm scared. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Elizabeth, do aliens freak you out? A bit. Por qué? Just the fear of the unknown, I will say. Yeah. Aliens freak me out, but I think they're so fascinating. I'm I've always been an alien person per se. I've always believed in them. They believe in me. Um so yeah. <laughs> I might be an alien. How about them apples? That's very true. I have never seen any signs that prove that you're human to me. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. We grew up with some kids that might have for sure been some aliens. I'm not gonna name names. Well, I just did, bitch. Anyway, happy Friday, Elizabeth. Happy Friday. Oh my god, she's been abducted and turned into an alien. (laughs) So you're gonna ask me how I'm doing, you you dumb alien bitch? Yes, can I take a sip? Damn. (laughs) Girl. I'm giving you a hard time. Chill. I am chill. I'm just playing with your ass. Um, so how are you doing on this Friday? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Make a de- big deal. That's how you go fucking say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I. Yeah. My se- well, when this premieres, my one of my sisters graduates high school tonight, which is crazy. That is crazy. No, that means we graduated okay. 10 years ago. I don't like that. No. Elizabeth's older than me, though, so it's okay. No, I'm not. I'm younger than you. <laughs> Five months to the day. Exactly. Were you born at night? Yeah. So was I. What time? Do you know? About like 8 o'clock or so. Okay, I was like 10 o'clock. Damn, we're close to the hour. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, Elizabeth, so today is Creepy History Friday, and I'm excited because Liz kind of has taken the reins on True Crime Tuesdays, and I've kind of taken the reins on Creepy History. Uh, We had a great episode Tuesday. We talked, well, mainly Elizabeth talked, (laughs) John Wayne Gacy. It's a that story's always creeped me out, uh, and it hits close to home because you know it happened not far from where we grew up. Mm-hmm. But luckily, we don't know anybody that was affected by it. But you know, we know the areas of where this took place. This Friday, we're gonna talk alien abductions, and ooh, I got a creepy story for you, bitch. Ooh, girl, tell me. Okay, well, before we do that. I haven't done this in a while, and I probably should. So check out some of my friends' podcasts. Um, <laughs> the Vintage Millennial, the podcast I edit for with our friend Brian Carpus. Uh, check out The Rewind with our friend Dana Jones. Check out Pod Pod, or in the Midwest accent, Pad Pad, with our <laughs> friend Simon Collier. The story I have for you is about... And some of you who are listening might actually know this story because it's pretty famous. Um, it's the tale of Betty and Barney Hill, an interracial couple 
that were possibly abducted September of 1961. I just listened to a podcast episode about this like a few weeks ago. Oh, so you know the story. Yeah, but you can tell me it's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, it brace yourself. It intrigues me. Well, brace yourself. You're in for a wild ride. All right. I got myself buckled in. All right. You might need two seatbelts, girl. Uh, I'm like that right. kid, that vine with the kid with the seatbelts. Get out me car. Not that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Shut up, Elizabeth. You're not going to say anything back. <laughs> Elizabeth flipped me off. How rude is she? I flipped you off twice. Anyway. Okay. Let me collect myself before I wreck myself. So in September of 1961, Betty and Barney Hill were driving. Oh, I need to do a creepier voice or like more suspenseful. I'm going to read it different. I don't know how to read it different. (laughs) On the evening of. Oh, what the hell was that? My creepy voice. Is that how you speak to Aaron and Bib? No. Come in me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to scare him. Oh, yeah. You're the Kool-Aid man. (laughs) If If I'm trying to scare him, I do this voice. He really hates this voice. Aaron. <laughs> he freaks out anytime I do that voice. You're like, hey, honey, how does work? Good. I want that dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get Elizabeth, collect yourself. <laughs> okay. So in September of 1961, Betty and Barney Hill were driving from Montreal, Canada to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. On the way home from their beloved honeymoon, while driving through the White Mountains of New Hampshire, the couple experienced an extraterrestrial phenomenon that will launch them into the international spotlight and help shape the dialogue around future supernatural encounters. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Okay, um, Betty and Barney Hill both worked long hours in Portsmouth. Betty was a social worker who handled child welfare cases, and Barney was a postal worker who often drove 60 miles a day and worked the night shift. In addition to their full-time jobs, the couple also volunteered frequently. As an interracial couple before those unions were fully accepted, the Hills were passionate about advancing the civil rights movement. They volunteered at their local church were both members of the NAACP. After deciding to take a well-deserved break, the Hills planned a spontaneous road trip from Montreal to Niagara Falls. Though the couple had been married for 16 months, they had never been on their honeymoon and viewed this trip as the opportune time. They got in their car and impulsively left for their three-day trip without even stopping by the bank to get extra money. What the hell? You going on a trip without extra money? They deserve this. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. On the night of their trip, the Hills departed a diner in Vermont around 10 p.m., hoping to make it back to Portsmouth around 2 a.m. However, as they drove, they noticed a bright light in the sky that appeared to follow them. With every mile they drove, the light grew bigger and brighter. As a World War II veteran and a plane enthusiast, Barney Hill did not think much of the light at first. 
As it was the middle of the night, he figured the light could not be coming from a commercial plane or a helicopter and assumed it was just a satellite that had gone off course. Nonetheless, the light continued to follow them, even as they drove through the winding roads of the White Mountains. Sometimes the light would move behind the trees and disappear, only to reappear moments later. Eventually, the couple grew so curious that they decided to pull over and investigate. You're going to get out of the car and go investigate. They always do. They always Elizabeth do. Elizabeth and I would hit me- pedal to the metal. We'd be yeah. fucking out of there. Yep. Probably still get abducted, but we would fight <laughs> to get we out would of there. fight tooth and nail to get out of it. Liz and I are not those people that go investigate. If we hear a creepy noise, if we see lights behind a tree poking around and creeping on us, we... We'll leave you be. You know, if a ghost says get out, we will go. Simple as that. Hell yeah. Eventually, the couple grew so curious that they decided to pull over and investigate. Through a pair of binoculars, Betty realized that the light was not a satellite and was actually some sort of object spinning in the air, presumably a flying saucer. Barney also grew concerned. As a pragmatic intellectual man, he was skeptical of any extraterrestrial explanation. He had no alternative guess as to what the light could be. The couple continued driving until they reached Route 3 in Lincoln when the object hovered just over 100 feet above the car. Barney abruptly stopped, got out of the car with a handgun, and saw something that was as big as a jet, but as flat as a pancake. How'd they fit inside? The little aliens. If it's flat as a pancake. Um, magic. Yeah, yeah. Behind the windows of the object were beings in gray uniforms who told Barney to pull down his binoculars. They were talking to him. I'd be... Oof. He tried to raise his pistol, but somehow found himself unable to. Realizing that he was about to be captured, he ran back to the car and sped off. At some point, Betty and Barney Hill heard strange beeping noises from their trunk, felt drowsy, and eventually lost consciousness. The next morning, the couple woke up in their house in Portsmouth. I hope I'm saying that right with no recollection of the events that happened the night before. Barney's shoes had been scuffed, Betty's dress had been torn, and both of their watches had stopped working. Trying to piece together what happened, Betty spent hours in the library reading about the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, otherwise known as NICAP, NICAP, or whatever you want to call it, a civilian UFO group, which is a civilian UFO group. Um, She also filed a report to the Air Force concerned about radiation. In the next couple of years, the couple suffered from disturbing images and anxiety. They began seeing a psychiatrist named Benjamin Simon, who had helped them piece together what had happened on that night. Through months of sessions and hypnosis, a popular technique at the time, the couple began to recall what happened to them. According to the Hills, the UFO had landed on their car as they were speeding down the mountains and put them to sleep. Afterwards, the gray beans they had seen earlier had led them up a long ramp into the spacecraft. Once inside, the hills were separated and individually tested. They were asked to climb on a metal table and remove their clothes, where the gray beans would pluck their hairs, take clippings from their nails, and peel off parts of their skin. Each sample was placed on something that resembled a glass slide. The gray beans also probed needles into their arms, legs, and heads. Betty recalled that one needle was even inserted into her stomach as a pregnancy test. Throughout the ordeal, Betty and Barney Hill claimed that one of the beans was the leader, 
who was observing the process from the side. Later, alone with the leader, Betty asked where the craft had flown. Under hypnosis, she replicated the star map shown to her on the ship. Years later, a woman named Marjorie Fish attempted to interpret Betty's reproduction of the map and and concluded the beings had come from the star system Zeta Reticuli. Though the story of Betty and Barney Hill was not the first tale of alien abduction, theirs was the most well-documented and legitimate. After this encounter, Betty Hill continued doing research on UFOs for the remainder of her life, and the story of the Hills became one of the most widely publicized alien encounters in history. It even shaped the way alien encounters are discussed today in the media. Before the Hills experience, aliens were portrayed as friendly creatures who had come communicate back and forth between Earth and their home planets. However, after the Hills shared their story, alien abductions became better known for their mystery and intrigue. Alien movies and sci-fi movies, like the X-Files, started to include common tropes such as medical experiments and missing time. Although the Hills have both passed away, their legacy and the events that occurred in the White Mountains in 1961 Will never be forgotten. Dun dun dun. Now that like I've heard this story twice, um this I had a thought when we were when you were reading this time, or when you were reading it, mm-hmm. that I wonder if this was like the basis for season two of American Horror Story. It was with- actually. Was it? Okay, I knew mm-hmm. it. Because I was like, they were in a racial couple, and mm-hmm. they got abducted by aliens. That makes sense, then. So, Elizabeth, do you believe their story? I don't disbelieve it. I, I, I don't see why I would disbelieve it. Like, I don't know why I said it like that. There's no reason for me to disbelieve it. But... I definitely believe in alien objections and all that. (laughs) Yeah. I believe them. And also, like you said, I believe in alien abductions and I just believe in alien life. And of course they would come do experiments on us. And I also believe just like, you know, yeah, I was just going to say the government's holding them hostage. Yeah. Or at least in communication with them doing some kind of, I don't know, even the U S government, as of last year have been ex- have been like releasing ufo videos that they've caught yeah so even the u.s government's like hey like we don't even know what these are yeah but it's like they i mean they know more than they're leading on oh for sure yeah that's crazy that she mapped out like the stars without knowing that it was a natural galaxy that right. they found yep and uh it was 1961 you know like we didn't know space then like we do now so how would you have known that you know exactly i have a little quick story alien abduction story you want to hear it yes okay so this story is it predates the one i just read by a couple years um so i'll just go ahead and read it elizabeth are you ready yes you might need a third seatbelt. uh oh for this wild ride. In the United States, the first story of abduction by extraterrestrials that received national attention was that of Betty and Barney Hill. Who? Never heard of them. A couple from New Hampshire who claimed to have kid- who have been kidnapped in a UFO in 1961. 
There is, however, another earlier story of abduction. This one dates from 1957, the year Elizabeth was born, and centers around Antonio Villa Boas, a farmer from rural Brazil, just like Elizabeth. According to Boas, he was plowing fields with his tractor when he was taken against his will by a group of ETs measuring about five feet tall. On their spaceship, he was put in a room where he saw some kind of gas coming out of the walls, making him sick. Then a very attractive female, naked with long platinum blonde hair, fire red pubic hair, (laughs) and deep blue cat eyes, came to him and forced him to have intercourse. Okay, this one's a little heavier (laughs) of a story. According to Vila Boas, her intentions were quite clear to produce a human alien hybrid that she would raise on her planet. After he got back, he noted that he had burns on his body. A doctor from a medical center diagnosed them as radiation burns. The doctor had contacts with the, with the American UFO Research Group, APRO. Via Boas had no recollection as to how he got the burns. The story gained worldwide popularity in the late 1950s, Many were led to believe its veracity, politically incorrect reasons, claiming that a humble farmer from rural Brazil would not be able to uh, conduct such a tale. In reality, he was not really humble or uneducated. His family owned large tracts of land and at least one tractor. He later became a lawyer and practiced until his death in 1992. So pretty much, I'm not going to continue reading this because they kind of went sidetracked from the story they were telling. But um, it was kind of interesting when they talk about like the succubus because I've heard of that, you know, with like paranormal groups about like an evil demon spirit that attaches itself to people and drains the person. So what if it's like, what if that isn't alien? Or sorry, what if that's not a spirit? It's more alien. It's very possible. Yeah. I mean, I I believe in both, but... Yeah. Like, I know there's, like, enough evidence about, like, supernatural stuff, but it's, like, do we necessarily know that it's supernatural, or could it be, you know, aliens as well? Yeah, I don't know. I think with, like, I mean, like, how would people explain an alien, like, hundreds of years ago? You know, I think their first thing... I think that's the thing, and it kind of dabbles into paranormal stuff, too, is, like... They're just so quick to say, oh, demon, oh, demon, oh, that's evil, this or that. It's like, what exactly is it, though? Like, what exactly is a demon? What exactly are we looking at? Yeah, exactly. Especially since it's, like, St. Thomas Aquinas um, wrote about it. So that may, and, like, that was back in, you know, B.C. time. So it's like, they didn't have a word for alien. They didn't even know right. other planets existed back then. They didn't know what a planet was. Yeah. Yeah, because back then they didn't even know Earth was circular. They didn't know any of that yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, you're from that time. What do you think it was? <laughs> I always knew. I've been around forever. Mm. Ah, aliens. Well, that's some creepy alien abduction stories. Anything else you want to say about Elizabeth? I'm glad that is something that I have never experienced because I would freak the fuck out. But I've heard that people tend to be more, like, if you've experienced, like, it once, you tend to be more susceptible to it, which wouldn't that suck if, like, 
you get abducted and you're like, oh, I've been through the worst day of my life. And then it just keeps happening because you're more susceptible to it. Yeah. And maybe they test you with something and then they do like a checkup, like a follow up, like a doctor's office. Yeah. That makes sense. And like, I wonder, I wonder like with the whole impregnating that they try to do like inbreeding between aliens and humans, like that one story I just read where the woman, like the female alien wanted to mate with this guy. Um, like if they had a baby, granted she's the alien. So like she would carry the baby, but like, what if they impregnated a human woman? Like how would they handle that? Unless they just take male humans and impregnate the female aliens. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. That way there's like no trace of a alien baby. Yeah, because you gotta think, like, they'd have to keep that woman for a lot longer than they'd have to keep the man. hmm And people would notice. Where, for a man, they just need them one time and they're done. Yep. But they have been known to, like, play with time aliens. So maybe That's they could true. keep her for as long as they needed and dump her back in her real time. I don't know. I'm not an alien. All right, Elizabeth, I don't have anything else to say about aliens um, other than there's one behind you. Bitch, where? Bitch, there's a wall behind you. Ain't no That's what I'm saying. I was like, bitch, where? Because there's a fucking wall right there. JK girl, just Annabelle. That was fun. Another creepy history in the books. Uh, We won't have one for a while because... (laughs) Or another true crime for a while because guess what, Elizabeth? June what? 1st is coming. And what does that mean? Pride. If you did not understand what she said, she said pride. <laughs> so our pride series is back and we're going to call it Summer of Pride. And we're not going to reveal all the guests we have lined up just yet, but we will re- we will tell you who our first guest is. And it is Ginger Minch. <laughs> Yes. So check that out. She tells her pride story. We have a little fun. She talks about her time working on um, the movie Dumplin'. And she had like a very interesting, she has a really cool uh, interaction with Jennifer Aniston that she shares. And then also she called Elizabeth a name. Or she referred to Elizabeth as something. (laughs) She gave me a great compliment that I want recorded on my phone for the rest of my life. Yep. And she told me I'm a dumb fuck piece of shit. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Pride is coming up. We have some fabulous guests. I think this one could top last year's, but I love last year's and I can't believe last year's was already a year ago. I freaking know. So check out Pride, Summer Junkyard Divas, Summer of Pride on June 1st through indefinitely. All right, so everybody have a great weekend. Don't get abducted. And don't be bad. Elizabeth, that was so insensitive of you. We can only run into his ghost at this point. All right, so check out Summer Pride starting June 1st, and we'll see you then. And we'll be back to our regular schedule of Tuesdays and Fridays. Peace. All right, bye. Bye.